Okay, here we go. Mere Christianity chapter 5. What have caused, we have caused to be uneasy. I ended my last chapter with the idea that in the moral law, somebody or something from beyond the material universe was actually getting at us. And I expect when I reached that point, some of you felt a certain annoyance. You may have even thought that I had played a trick on you, that I had been carefully wrapping up to look like philosophy that turns out to do one more religious job. You may have felt you were ready to listen to me as long as you felt I had anything new to say. But if it turns out to be only religion, well, the world has tried that and you cannot put the clock back. If anyone is feeling that way, I I should like to say three things to him. First, as to putting the clock back, would you think I was joking if I said that you can put a clock back and that if the clock is wrong, it is often a very sensible thing to do? But I would rather get away from the whole idea of clocks. We all want progress, but progress means getting near to the place where you want to be. And if you have taken a wrong turning, then to go forward does not, not get you any nearer. If you're on the wrong note road, progress means doing a turnabout and walking back to the right road. And in that case, that man who turns back soonest is the most progressive man. We have all seen this when doing arithmetic. When I have started in a sum the wrong way, the sooner I admit this and go back and start over again, the faster I shall get on. There's nothing progressive about being pig-headed and refusing to admit a mistake. And I think if you look at the present state of the world, it is pretty plain that humanity has been making some big mistakes. We are on the wrong road, and if that is so, we must go back. Go back in the quickest way on. And then secondly, this has not yet turned exactly into a religion jaw. We have not yet got as far as the God of any actual religion, still less the God of the particular religion called Christianity. We have only got so far as that somebody or something behind the moral law. We are not talking, taking anything from the Bible or the churches. We are trying to see that we can find out about this somebody on our own steam. And I want to make it quite clear that we find out on our own steam is something that gives us a shock. We have two bits of evidence about the somebody. One is the universe he has made. If we use that to our, as our only clue, then I think we should have to conclude that he is a great artist, for the universe is a very beautiful place, but also that he is quite merciless and no friend of man, for the universe is a very dangerous and terrifying place. The other bit of evidence is that the moral law which he put into our minds. And this is a better bit of evidence than the other because it is an inside information. You find out more about God from the moral law than from the universe in general, just as you find out more about a man by listening to his conversation than by looking at a house he has built. Now, from the second bit of evidence, we conclude that the being behind the universe is intensely interested in right conduct, in fair play, unselfishness, courage, good faith, honesty. Both of you stop. Both of you stop. In that sense, we should agree that the account given by Christianity and some other religion that God is good. But do not let us go too fast here. The moral law does not give us any grounds for thinking that God is good in the sense of being indulgent or soft or sympathetic. There is nothing indulgent about the moral law. It is hard as nails. It tells you to do the straight thing and does not seem to care how painful or dangerous or difficult it is to do. There's nothing to see. Edward, stop. You are both being inappropriate, and I don't appreciate it. It is hard as 
If God is like the moral law, then he is not soft. It is no use at this stage in to saying anything that you mean by good. God is a God who can be forgiven. We are going too quickly. Only person can forgive. And we have not yet got so far as a personal God, only as far as a power behind the moral law, and more like a mind that is like anything else. But you may still be very unlike a person. It is pure and personal mind. There may be no sense in asking it to make allowances for you or let you off. Just as there is no sense in asking the multiplication table to let you off when you do sums wrong. You are bound to get the wrong answer. And there's no use either saying that if there is a God all of a sort and impersonal absolute goodness, then you do not like him and are not going to bother about him. For the trouble is that one part of you is on his side and really agrees with his disapproval of human greed and trickery and exploitation. You may want him to make an exemption in your case to let you off on this one time, but you know at bottom that unless the power behind the world really and unalterably detects, detests the sort of behavior, then he cannot be good. On the other hand, we know that if there does exist an absolute goodness, it must hate most of what we do. That is this terrible fix we are in. If the universe is not governed by an absolute goodness, then all of our efforts are in long, the long run hopeless. But if it is, then we are making ourselves enemies to the goodness every day, and we are not in the least likely to do any better tomorrow, and so our case is hopeless again. We cannot do without it, and we cannot do with it. God is the only comforter. Comfort. He is also the supreme terror, the thing we most need, and the thing that we most want to hide from. He is our only possible... He is our only possible ally, and we have made ourselves his enemies. Some people talk as if meeting the gaze of an absolute goodness would be fun. They need to think again. They are still only playing with religion. Goodness is either the great safety or the great danger, according to the way you react to it. And we have reacted the wrong way. Now my third point. When I chose to get into a real subject in this roundabout way, I was not trying to play any kind of trick on you. I had a different reason. My reason was that Christianity simply does not make sense unless you have faced the sort of facts I have been describing. Christianity tells people to repent and to promise and promises them forgiveness. It is therefore has nothing, as far as I know, to say to people who do not know that they have done anything to repent of, and who do not feel they need any forgiveness. It is after you have realized that there is a real moral law and a power behind the law, and that you have broken that law and put yourself wrong with that power. It is after all this, and not a moment sooner, that Christianity begins to talk. When we know you are, when you know you are sick, you will listen to the doctor. When you have realized that your position is nearly desperate, you will begin to understand what the Christian was talking about. They offer an explanation of how to get into our present state of both hating goodness and loving it. They offer an explanation of how God can be this impersonal mind as the back of the moral law and yet also a person. They tell us how the demands of the law, which you and I cannot meet, have been met on our behalf. How God Himself became a man to serve man from the disapproval, to save man from the disapproval of God. It is an old story, and if you want to go into it, you will no doubt consult people who have it more authority to talk about it than I have. All I am doing is to ask people to face the facts, to understand the questions, 
which Christianity claims to answer, and they are very terrifying facts. I wish it was possible to say something more agreeable, but I must say that I think what I think is true. Of course, I quite agree with Christian religion is, in the long run, a thing of unspeakable comfort. But it does not begin in comfort, it begins in the dismay. I have been describing, and it is not at all trying to get on to that comfort without first going through the dismay. In religion, as in war, and everything else, comfort is the one thing you cannot get by looking for it. If you look for truth, you must find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort, you will get get either comfort or truth, only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin with, and in the end, despair. Most of us have got over the pre-war wishful thinking about international politics. It is time we did the same about religion. And that is the end of chapter 5 of Mere Christianity.